continue today with, with our series on uh, mental health, Unspoken. And we're going to look at and continue to look at the intersection between um, mental illness, mental health, emotional health, and, um, and what Scripture has to say and who Jesus is and, and, and what God has done for us and how that plays together because we don't always understand that as well as we should. I want to start by saying um, thank you. Um, to, to Erica for, for um, sharing those thoughts and, and we'll, we'll have some more of those testimony videos each week as we, as we kind of track through this um, and, and I know as we watch that we're like okay well you know how come she didn't say in that video that everything is great now and that God fixed everything listen if everything was great now and God fixes everything here in, in, in this earth and, and it all just went away then, then can I, I, we wouldn't be having a series on how our mental illness and our mental health and our emotional health intersects with, with Scripture and with the God of the universe and, and with Jesus Christ. We need to learn how to live in this space. Now, as a counselor for a long time before I was a pastor, and as a counselor, um, and then as a pastor, as I do a lot of counseling in this, in this role, and uh, we, had a, we had a panel of, of some folks that got together to talk about this series well before we, we put it together just to make sure that we were getting uh, lots of other input and, and information. You know, there's a couple of things that I just know to be true. And Scripture backs these up. Here's, here's the first one. Human beings are complex people, right? Think about it. Humans are complex creatures, we're going to read a scripture in a second that says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are knit together carefully by the God of the universe in our mother's wombs. That, that all of this is true. So we are complex creations. We are made in the image of God. We are image bearers of the God of the universe. And we are broken by sin. We are complex in a lot of ways. And here's the problem. Because we as people are complex, mental illness is a complex illness. And it's going to impact us in a lot of ways. And we talked about some of those last week, and, and we'll, we'll carry some of that through today. Um, it impacts people biologically, psychologically. Mental and, and emotional illness impact people socially. And it's going to impact us spiritually. So these are things we have to unpack and we have to learn how to deal with in a way that honors God and a way that validates who we are and, and, and what he's called us to do. And listen, can I tell you this? Sometimes the issue, and we're going to talk a lot about this as we get into the text today, but sometimes the issue is not this. It's not a matter of trying harder. And there is devastation that happens in the spirit and the soul when well-meaning people look at you in the eye and, and, and say to you, look, I love you and I need you to know this. Look, look, just try harder. Just do better. Just get over it. Because here's the thing, if it were that simple, then we would have done that already. And can I be honest with you? I am guilty of that. I'm guilty of that at times because there are things in my own um, well, let's say this. There are things in my own mental health um, where if somebody said that to me, I, I would be like, well, you just don't understand. But then in my own brokenness, there are times when I've looked at people in their mental health and I've said, you know what? Listen, here's the deal. You just got to get over it. 
I'm like, why do I do that? Because, because we don't know. Because we struggle to figure out how to operate in this space, and we're not alone. This is a huge issue in the church that the church has to deal with. In fact, something Pastor David will probably touch on next week. Many of you heard that uh, during the week this week, uh, Pastor Jared Wilson uh, from uh, uh, Harvest uh, Christian Fellowship, not here in town, um, but uh, a, a larger church uh, where he was the associate pastor at 30 years old, took his own life this week. In, in a moment of, of suicidal depression, a pastor, a follower of Jesus Christ, dedicated, someone who was made new in Christ, who had dedicated his ministry life as an associate pastor to reaching out to people with mental and emotional illness, to reaching out to people and creating ministry with his wife for people that struggle with depression and suicidal thoughts. Listen, guys, the struggle is real. Pastor David will touch more on that next week as he gets into the, his topic of depression and addiction and, and, and suicide. But, but listen to me, just know this. This is real, and it's not as simple as trying harder. It's not that simple. Because we are complex creatures. And you know what happens is the more complex something is, as soon as something goes wrong, it jacks everything up. Think of the watch. That's complex. If I'm going to throw sand in there, right, I'm going I'm to jack it up. I'm going to throw sand in there. All of a sudden, because of the complexity of it, it's not going to work the way that it was supposed to work. Who's ever had a computer virus? It's okay if you've had one. You can raise your hand. It's okay. No shame. Uh, here, here's the problem. When you have a computer virus, right, something that is supposed to work something that is supposed to work, all of a sudden, it doesn't. Something is messing internally with what your computer is supposed to do. So this wrong, this brokenness, it jacks up the whole operating system. Happens with computers, it happens with a wall, but it happens with you. And it happens with me. We are complex creatures. We were made in the image of of God. We were knit together in our mother's womb. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And get this, sin broke it all. And now it's broken. Sin threw a bunch of sand and dirt and pebbles into the gears, and now it doesn't grind the way it is. Man, we're just going to mix all kinds of metaphors. We started with watches, we moved on to computers, we went back to watches, and now we're going to talk about cars. And then I'm done. I'm not done done. I'm done with that part. Some of the kids were like, yes. Not so lucky. But here's the thing. It's like a car that's out of alignment. When you drive a car that's out of alignment, you know that it's out of alignment. It pulls. It shimmies. It doesn't do what you want it to do. It goes forward, but it's not right. That's what happens with, with mental illness. Remember, here's what we talked about. Mental illness, it's a medical condition that causes disturbance in emotion, in thinking, or behavior, or any combination of those three. In short, here's what we said. Mental illness impacts our ability to cope with life. We can move forward, right? But like a watch that won't keep good time, a computer that's slowed down by viruses, or a car that is completely out of alignment, we can move forward, but it's exhausting, it's draining. It's tiring. It doesn't work. 
And so we continue with this series. That's why we're talking about it. That's why we're digging into it. And I want to tell you now, um, we're not digging into it because somehow we have magic to say, okay, here it is. You know Jesus. Now your problems are gone. Your anxiety and depression is no more. Like everything is better now. It doesn't always work that way. But as we dig into these things together, what we can find is we can find community. We can find cooperation. We can find understanding. And hopefully we can find peace. And if we understand it correctly, we can find victory. Pastor David and I were, were debriefing um, for this, this, series, this sermon today, and we were having a conversation. And I was basically going to him and saying, hey, um, David, fix it. Like, I'm all over the place here. Bring me, bring me in. Uh, and as part of our conversation, he, he shared with me um, one of his favorite non-verse verses that people like to quote. That God will never give you more than you can handle. Raise your hand if you've ever been told or told someone else that God will not give you more than you can handle. All right, now, if you were the—go ahead and keep them up, keep them up. If you were the one that said it, I want you to, like, spread your fingers out like this. And I want you to smack yourself in the face because <laughs> don't actually hit yourself in the face. You can put your hands down. The problem, I get it. I understand why we say that. And can I tell you that I've said that same thing to people? I've said that to people, right? And I get why we say it, but can I tell you something? Here's the deal that's not in the Bible. You can read the Bible cover to cover looking for that. I hope you do. There's a challenge, right? It's a way I'll get you to read your Bible more. Read your Bible and find it. It's not in there. You are not going to find scripture that says God will not give you more than you can handle. In fact, you will find evidence to the contrary. You will find evidence that God will very regularly give you more than you can handle. Because he is not interested in you being able to handle anything. What he's interested in is you being able to handle things through him. And that in him and through him, there is not a single thing that he won't help you stand up under. On your own, you will crush under the weight. Listen to me. Listen to me. God is not interested in making your life so simple that you don't need him. Right? We need to understand that. And that's why the problem with, oh, God won't give you more than you can handle, means if you feel overwhelmed, then guess what? Try harder. Because God's not giving you more than you can handle, so just try harder. The problem is, try harder isn't biblical. I mean, there are some things that we'll talk about that you have to dig into and you have to do, right? But when it comes to having freedom from emotional and, and, and mental illness, it's not a matter of just trying harder, right? There, there are things that we need to do, and there are ways that we stand up in and through God, because of who Jesus is. All right, we're going to dig into this. Let's look here. We're going to start with this. I promise you this text. For you created my inmost being. This is David talking. Uh, King David, uh, the psalmist here, he's, he's talking to God, giving praise to God of the things that God has done um, in his life. He says, for you, God, created my inmost being. You, God, knit me together in my mother's womb. And then he says this, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. So when we read this text, there's two things that should happen. One thing that we should do, and one thing that we should know. 
The thing that we should do is what David does. The first thing that we do when we read this text is we praise God, right? We, we look at the fact that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, and all we can do in response to that is just to praise God. That's what David does. David says, Here, here's the deal. You knit me together, right? You created me in my mother's womb. You have done all this. I am fearfully, wonderfully made, so what's my natural response? I'm going to praise you. I praise you for that. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I praise you because you are the creator, and I am the creation. David says, I, I praise you. But then in this, that's what he does, but the thing that he knows in this, the thing that I want you to know in this as we really dig in, the thing that matters here, you are fearfully and wonderfully made by the God of the universe. See, David praises God because he is fearfully and wonderfully made. So what you can know in that is you are too. That the God of the universe, who spoke all creation into existence, who by his very word sparked life, that God made you personally, intimately, carefully. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are knit together. Ephesians 2.10 would say it this way. You are God's masterpiece. Ephesians 2.10 tells us that we are works of art. Listen to me. If God had a fridge, it would have a picture of you on it. Why? Because you are his masterpiece. You are his work of art. You are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. See, David says, I see all this and I praise you. I praise you not because you made me something special. I praise you because you made me. And because you made me, I am special. And I value. Church, there's something that you need to understand here. Just, just off the beginning as we jump into this, something you need to grasp from the very, 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 very beginning. Whatever lies you believe about your worth, you need to throw them out. Whatever lies you've believed about your value, whatever lies you've believed about how important you are, whatever lies you've believed about what good things you bring to the table, whatever lies you believed that cause you to think that you are less than, that your life doesn't matter and that nobody cares. Whatever lies you may have believed that, that get you to the place where you think, you know what, it's just not worth going on. Whatever lies you've believed, listen, they're just that, they're lies. You are fearfully, wonderfully made. You are a work of art by the creator of the universe. The guy that created, the God, the guy, the God that created everything, created you. Raise your hand, you've been to the Grand Canyon. Pretty awesome. Raise your hand, you've been through the mountains. That's pretty great. Raise your hand, you've been to the ocean. Aubrey is so mad at me right now. She's like, I want to go to the ocean, and you won't take me to the ocean. Five bucks, and I'll take you next summer, I promise. I said it in front of everybody. Because Nicole said she talked to us about where to go in South Carolina. So it's going to be good. All right. You've seen those things. The God that made those things. How many of you have ever laid out at night and looked up at the night sky and just marveled at the stars? You've looked at the majesty of a full moon on Friday the 13th, nonetheless. 
You know that happened Friday. Teachers, how was it? Is it okay? Full moon and Friday the 13th on the same day. Here's the thing. We've looked at the full moon. We see this. We resonate with this. We all of it. Listen, the God that made all of that, you know what he does? He calls you his masterpiece. He made mountains. He made the stars in the sky. He put it all together. He made the vastness of the oceans. The beauty of a flower. Like, he did all of that, and he looks at you and says, I'm going to stick you on my fridge because you are my masterpiece. You are my work of art. David says, I see all that. I am fearfully and wonderfully made, and I can't help but to praise the God of the universe. And listen to me. You should, too. Don't ever look in the mirror and lament who you are. Listen, church. Never wake up in the morning, look in the mirror, and lament who you are. You are a masterpiece that God has knit together in your mother's womb. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Are you broken? Yes. Are you messy? Of course. Have you made mistakes? You know it. Can you look in the mirror and lament choices that you've made? Sure. Can you look in the mirror and wish that you had done it different and hope that you do it different today? And try hard to do it different? Yes. When I say don't try harder, there's a danger in trying harder. I'm not talking about trying hard to make different choices. What I'm talking about is don't try hard to be somebody else because who you are is fearfully, wonderfully made. You matter. And David did all this. Man, David did all this. David knew this just because he was connected to the God of the universe and, and his spirit and, and the Holy Spirit of God were in communion. He just knew this. He understood this. We know this because, man, we got science. We got x-ray machines. We got MRIs. We got um, DNA mapping. We've got all kinds of things that will help us through this. We, we do ultrasounds and sonograms and all of that, right? We know that we go from a tiny egg to a human being with 206 bones, 650 muscles. I made notes because I would never remember. Five vital organs. Uh, David and I had fun with this one because I asked him, and he thought I was making a joke about our size. I was not. How much, how much skin do we think we have? On average, we have 22 square feet of skin. It's a lot of skin, right? And then he, of course, was like, well, some of us have more than others. And I know that's true. But on average, we have 22 square feet of skin. You have, um, we all have individual thumbprints, fingerprints, tongue prints. You have a unique tongue print because we're fearfully and wonderfully made. Listen, the human brain weighs three pounds and it can store one quadrillion bits of information. That's a real number. One quadrillion bits of information. And, and, um, Scientists estimate that if your brain were a computer, it could perform 38 trillion functions a second. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And part of our being fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God is this. We have both a material and an immaterial aspect to us. God is a trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We are made in His image. To a degree, we have a trinity about us. We have our physical body, we have our mind, and we have our spirit or soul. We have this immaterial nature to us. 
And it matters that we understand that because here's the thing. What happens to one of those, what, what happens to one part of your, your, uh, your body impacts all of it. I mean, you get that, right? Like, if you have a chronic illness, if you have a chronic illness, right, that affects your body physically, that's going to affect the way that you feel. It's going to affect your mind, your emotions, right? It's going to. A lot of times, depression comes from chronic physical illness. And you know what? It, it impacts your spiritual life, too. And it happens the other way. You take drugs. Listen, nobody takes drugs and then acts normal. When you take illegal drugs, when you take um, uh, psychotropic medicine, when you do those things, right, you do it for uh, um, any number of reasons, but I I'm talking about illegally here. You take something, it alters your brain chemistry, you act differently. You think differently. You process differently. It happens with emotions, too. You get angry, your body changes, your blood pressure rises. A lot of you, you know, when, when, when you get angry, your blood pressure rises, your body tenses, you get a red face. How many of you get angry and you think you're hiding it well, but when they look at you, they know? They know, because it's all over your face, right? What happens to one part of us impacts all of us. It happens spiritually, too, as you dig into God. As you dig into God and you spend time with God and you spend time in His Word, guess what? Romans 12, 1 tells us that that's what happens is, is that God will actually use that to change the way you think in your mind, change the way you behave, so that you'll be transformed. Part of being fearfully and wonderfully made and part of understanding how this matters with mental illness is understanding that what happens to part of us, it's like the watch, right, with the sand in it, messes everything up. What happens to part of us will have ripple effects throughout all of us, physically, emotionally, spiritually. But the spiritual part of us, the immaterial part of us, that's where the hope lies. We're going to talk some practical things before we're finished today. And when you struggle with emotional and mental illness, practically, there are some things you can do in your mind. There are some things you can do physically. But the real hope for us, the eternal hope for us, lies in the spiritual part of us. And this is what I need you to understand. Romans 8.16 tells us this. The Spirit Himself, this is the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. See, you are created to be in intimate communion with the God of the universe. You are created to be in intimate communion with the God of the universe. That's the way it is. As human beings, we're fearfully and wonderfully made, and that connection is supposed to draw us in. Here's the deal. No other creation has that privilege. No other creation on this planet has the privilege of being made to have this intimate spiritual connection where God's Holy Spirit and our spirit communicate that we are children and we are together. That doesn't exist outside of mankind. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. Your hope for healing in mental and emotional illness, by and large, rests here. We'll talk about the others. The others are important. The others matter. We've got to deal with it holistically, but your hope is in this. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Man, that's the one.
right there. I'll fix it, Malia, I promise. For the wages of sin is death, right? Want to know what happened, right? The sand that got thrown in the watch, the wages of sin is death. We sinned. Mankind sinned, and the world is broke. And let's be honest, each and every one of us sins. And in our sin, we drive ourselves further and further away from the God of the universe. I want you to listen very carefully to what I'm saying, and I want you to listen very carefully to what I'm not saying. I am not suggesting that your mental health, that your emotional health, if you're struggling with illness and depression and, and suicidal thoughts and anxiety and all of that, I am not suggesting that it's your fault. We live in a world of brokenness, and that brokenness causes us turmoil. It's like throwing sand in the watch. It doesn't work the way that it's supposed to work. But listen very carefully. What I am saying is this. Sometimes, because of that brokenness, we do things that make it worse. And when I say, listen, 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 you can't try harder your way out of mental and emotional illness. You can't just try harder to get out of mental and emotional illness. I will say this, and I do need you to hear me. You do need to say yes to godliness and no to ungodliness. Because in our brokenness, sometimes we look for answers in the wrong places. In the professional world, we would call that self-medicating. We did an online survey in the Blessed Hope Church community um, through Facebook. If you saw that, thank you. If you participated, there were about, there were 37 of us, so just under 40 of us that participated in that. And one of the questions we asked was, have you ever, because of your mental or emotional health issues, chosen to self-medicate? And the examples were things like sex, pornography, drugs, alcohol, work. 88% of you, 88% of the people that said, uh, that, that took that poll for us said, yes, yeah, in an unhealthy way, we have chosen to self medicate when it comes to dealing with our emotional and mental illness. And so, what I'm going to say is, when, when it comes to this, you can't try hard your way out of mental illness, but what you can do is you can make it a whole lot worse. You can make it a whole lot worse, for the wages of sin is death. And because we're broken, sometimes because of all the pressure that weighs down, we we start to do things or engage in things because it gives us this little moment of relief. It gives us this little moment where things start to feel better, but then all of a sudden, guess what? The wages of that are death. It doesn't work like we hoped it would. It gives us a little bit of peace, but it doesn't, you know. People that struggle, and David will talk about this next week with addiction, but people that struggle with alcohol, pornography, drug use, right? They're just looking for a little relief sometimes, and I get it. But what you're going to get on the other side of that is just death. Self-medication isn't your hope, but there is hope finish the verse. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
Many of us come, right? Because I said last week, and I stand by it, please don't misunderstand, right? You're going to have to track this, right? Track what I'm saying. We said last week that victory in Jesus doesn't mean that your life will just fix itself. Of course it doesn't mean that. But there is victory in Jesus. There is hope in Jesus. A lot of times what we say is, well, well, you know what? I love Jesus, and I'm still doing this. Like, I go back, go back to what Erica says, right? Like, 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 He's done all of this for me. I'm still struggling, and so there must not be something there. No, it's there. It's there. It doesn't mean that your life is going to get easy. It doesn't mean that he's going to not give you anything that you can't handle, right? That he'll never give you anything that you can't handle. That's not what it means. It means that what he'll do is he'll help you stand up under it. If you are struggling with major depression, major anxiety, suicidal thoughts, drug addiction, alcohol, whatever it is, whatever it is that's pressing down on you, the promise isn't that Jesus will take it all away from you. The promise is that Jesus will help you stand up under it. And it's still going to suck, maybe. But you can stand up under it because Jesus will help you do that. In and through him, you have the strength to stand up under it. That's the promise. All right, so let's deal practically a little bit with, with some of the things that we do and, and some of the ways that we should approach this. Um, let me tell you this. Um, because we are intimately connected, right, because we are material and immaterial, right, there are three ways that we approach mental health. It's what we would call the holistic treatment approach. Psychological, physical, spiritual. Sometimes in the church, we are guilty of throwing away psychological and physical, and we're guilty of throwing them away because we focus on the spiritual. We should focus on the spiritual. It's our most important aspect. But we can't throw away the other things just because. We have to deal with all three. So we're going to do that. Let's start with psychological. When we talk psychological, right, um, here's what I want you to know. That sometimes it is necessary for someone that is seeking mental and emotional health it's necessary for somebody to find counseling. There are probably a few people out there who aren't trying hard, but the grand majority of us that struggle with emotional and mental health, we're trying hard. The issue isn't try hard. The issue is try differently. And for some of us, what we need to do is we need to accept the fact that we need counseling help. Can I tell you something? There is zero shame in a Christian Seeking professional counseling help. In my family, I seek professional counseling help. When we did our online survey, we said, hey, those of you that struggle with, with mental and emotional illness, how many of you have ever engaged in counseling? It was about 58% of you said, yeah, I've gone to counseling. That's great. That means there's, there's 42% that if not, and maybe it wasn't required, maybe it wasn't needed for them, we didn't ask follow-up questions there, it was just a brief survey, but, but potentially in that 42%, that means there are people that would benefit from counseling that haven't gone yet. There is no shame for the Christian to say, I need help. And can I just say here that anybody who puts on you that maybe there is, 
they're not doing you any favors, and they're not speaking biblically. I would say this about, about counseling. Um, I strongly recommend, in fact, we as a church will not recommend a counselor who is not a Christian counselor. And the reason for that is not because we're mad at all other counselors. It's not because they don't have good things to say, but going to counseling, very clearly, the idea, the intent of going to counseling is to have someone help you change the way you feel and the way that you view your experiences in the world around you. That's what you're doing when you go to counseling. You're saying, hey, my, 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 I'm, I'm, it's not working for me. The way I feel and the way I view the world around me isn't working for me. I go to counseling so the counselor will help me see it differently and view it differently. And if you are going to give someone permission and access to you, then they are specifically going to try to show you how to see things differently and how to view the world differently, then make sure it's a Christian. Don't open yourself up to some well-intentioned person that will step in but not say true things that honor the God of the universe. If you're going to make the step to go get counseling, go get Christian counseling. That's critically important. It's critically important. Okay? And, and I, I just, I, I want to stress that because I just don't think that you can sleep on that. That's, when I went, I have a degree in counseling, uh, master's of education, 48 credit hours. It took a long time. Um, Carrie was so gracious. I got this degree. Um, I started it like a month before we got married. So in there, we got married, we adopted Riley, we had Travis, you know, we're doing this, and all the while I'm working full-time and then going to school full-time. So it, it was not maybe my smartest decision ever, but, but when I went to counseling, I had a whole class that I had to take or they would not give me my degree so that I could go counsel people. I had to do it. The whole premise of the class was this. Responsible hedonism is the way to good emotional mental health. Hedonism is this, if it feels good, do it. As long as it doesn't hurt somebody else, if it feels good, do it. To graduate with my counseling degree, I had to take a class. I had to, it was required, to take a class where they taught me that the best approach to helping people was to, to encourage them to just do what they wanted to do as long as it didn't hurt other people. Listen, when I tell you this, listen, if you're going to go to counseling, don't go see that guy, right? Go see someone who is doing good, solid Christian counseling. Because then the perspectives and the worldview and the things they try to help you step into will be the things that honor the God of the universe. All right, we keep going. There you go. Physical. Not just psychological, but in a holistic approach, we also have to deal with physical. I love counseling. I'm a counselor by nature, and I do a lot of counseling as a pastor. But no amount of counseling, right, is going to help you overcome depression if your depression is caused by a hormonal imbalance. No amount of counseling is going to help um, someone that has a, a chemical imbalance that they deal with. Sometimes, we talked about this last week, sometimes our mental illness, our emotional illness has to do with something physical that we can't control. Very similar, like we said, to someone who has childhood onset diabetes. Right? They have an, an issue with insulin in their body. 
It's not due to anything else external. It's just something that isn't working quite right because there's sand that got thrown in the watch and everything is messed up. And so it just is what it is, right? Kids with leukemia, right? There's no external thing that happens. Kids with Down syndrome, there's nothing else happening. There's just this stuff that we have to, um, to deal with that, that we can't just counsel. Counseling is great and it might help me cope with it, but it's not going to ever fix the chemical imbalance. Sometimes medication is necessary. Sometimes insulin is necessary. Sometimes radiation and chemotherapy are necessary. Sometimes psychiatric medications are necessary. Antidepressants, anti-anxiety meds. There's nothing wrong with that, but the problem is this. Uh, Lifeway did a, a study, 300, um, 300 Christians. Dealing with 300 Christians, they asked the question, um, have you... Um, for yourself or your children ever taken psychiatric medications? And if the answer was no, why not? Out of the 300 Christians, 25%, that's 75 people, 25% of that, of that poll, 25% said the answer was no, we have not taken psychiatric medications even though they've been prescribed, and here's why. The church either frowns on it or forbids it. Listen to me, as carefully as you can. No, it does not. There is no scripture, there is no hint from scripture that taking medication when it's prescribed by a physician somehow is sinful. You're not going to find it. It doesn't exist. The problem is we believe that it does. We push forward assuming that that's there, assuming that somehow when we take medication, it's limiting the power of God. No, taking medication does not limit the power of God. Any more than taking insulin limits the power of God. Pray, ask for healing, pray for healing. Travis has a severe peanut allergy, anaphylactic allergy to peanuts. We avoid peanuts like the plague. Used to be awesome at Halloween because everything with peanut butter would become mine. I was a fan. We've prayed for Travis's healing from this peanut allergy. It's dangerous. Peanut stuff is everywhere. Plus, the kid never really gets real Chinese food. Right? So we've prayed for healing. But here's what I'm not going to do to prove the power of God. I'm not going to give the kid a Reese's peanut butter cup. It's not going to make a whole lot of sense. It's not limiting the power of God to be wise medically. Right? So physically, you've got to be careful. And here's the other one. Spiritual. You've got to lean in spiritually. If you hope to have emotional and mental health, you have got to lean in spiritually. One of the things that's true, one of the things that's true, and we talked about this a little bit, is that we tend to self-medicate. We tend to trust ourselves. We tend to do our own things. The problem with trusting ourselves and doing our own things in this scenario is that what we do is we start stepping away from what God says, and we start stepping into what the culture says is good. We do what feels good. Listen to me. Sin feels good for a second. Being drunk feels good when you're drunk. It maybe doesn't feel good the next day. Being high feels good when you're high. Right? Watching pornography feels fulfilling when you watch it. 
working really, really hard, late nights, killing yourself, burning it at both ends so that you can finish a project feels really good when you finish the project. But those things lead to death. Instead, what we have to do when it comes to spiritual things is we have to lean into God. We have to remember the truth that God won't give us more than we can handle is not real, but God won't give us more than we can handle in him and through him is truth. We have to trust that God's got us. We have to remember that we are fearfully, wonderfully made. We have to lean into God. We have to learn from God. We have to learn to obey God. We have to trust him to help us stand up under this. So I loved Erica's testimony when she said, you know what, small group mattered for her. Because there is sometimes a whole lot of, I mean, there, we do a lot of spiritual things, but, but sometimes there's nothing more spiritual than sitting down with other Christian people that we can share life with, study the Bible with, and struggle with, and get hope and support. So I, like, like, I, I love that there's value in that, showing up on Sundays, doing those things. Like, it's not a matter of that will cure your emotional and mental health, but it is a matter of when you lean into God, there is freedom that happens there. Not freedom from all the pain, but the ability to stand up under it. Because God will not let you go. He will not let you go. David, you want to come on up here for a second? Grab that. About six or eight weeks ago, David shared an analogy with us. It was this rope analogy. And so we talked about the fact that, that it was very good for what he was talking about when he was talking about elusive joy and finding joy in some of these things. But one of the things that we talked about is that it seemed to fit very well in this topic of mental health. And it seemed to fit very well in this idea of, of how it is that we need to trust God and stand up under him, especially in light of the fact that someone like um, Pastor Jared Wilson, someone who loves God tremendously, someone who trusts God and, and teaches other people about finding freedom and hope in God, that somehow he got to a point where he just said, you know what, enough is enough. And he lost that battle. Here's, here's what we have to understand that God has never promised to make it easy. We pray that he will. We trust that he will. But what God has promised is that because we are fearfully, wonderfully made and we are his masterpiece and he loves us with this covenant committed love and as a Christian, we are now part of the family of God. He loves us with familial love too. When all of that, when we understand that, we know that God will not let you go. No matter how hard it gets, no matter how overwhelming it seems, no matter what the enemy tells you about how worthless you are, about how nobody cares, and about how it would be better if you were just gone. No matter how long you've been fighting that fight, the truth of the matter is that God will not let you go. That when you are in him, see, I'm going to do this. It's going to be weird. Don't, don't worry. When you are in him, it's not a matter of he throws you a rope to hold. Right? That's how we did this example before, is, and we talked about faith, and that it's not us pulling God, God's pulling us. But it's even more than that. He doesn't just throw a rope for us to hold, but what he does is he ties it off. Think rock climbing. If you've ever been rock climbing, if you've ever been rock climbing, then you know, right, you don't just climb up a rock. I say this knowing full well, and you knowing too, I've never been rock climbing. Don't be confused. I've not done that. But I've seen Cliffhanger with Sylvester Stallone. So I know a little bit about it. But when you go rock climbing, you don't just decide to climb up a rock of a wall. But they tie you off. Right? So that when you lose grip, when you lose footing, when you struggle, when you slip 
and fall, someone has got you. And so you can imagine that if I were at the top of a cliff and David were below climbing it, because life is hard and we have to climb, you have to work hard. You have to work hard, you have to work hard. Guys, it's hard. You gotta do the counseling. You gotta take the medication if you need it. You've gotta say no to the self-medicating. You've gotta dig into God, you've gotta learn from Him, and you've gotta trust Him. It's work, you've got to work. But simply working isn't always going to be enough. Sometimes you're gonna lose, and if, if I'm here, and, and David is climbing because he's working, but he loses traction and he falls. If he's climbing and I'm stronger than I really am, I'm going to hold on. And it's going to be hard and he's going to bang against the side of the mountain. He's going to bang against the side of the cliff and he's going to get scrapes and he's going to get bruises and he's going to get bloody. But you know what? I'm going to have him. He's going to be able to stand up under the weight of it because I've got him. This is how God is for you. He, it's not just a matter of he throws you a rope and says, hold on tight. He ties you off. And when you struggle, he has got you. You're not alone. You're never alone. You're not trying to fix it by yourself. So lean in. Work hard. Take your meds. Do what you have to do. Get the counseling. When you feel like life isn't worth living, call somebody and say, hey, I need to talk. Go to small group. Have those relationships when things are good and neutral so that when things are hard, you are not by yourself. But don't for one second think that when you slip and you stumble and you get bloodied and you get bruised, that you are doing this by yourself. The God of the universe will help you stand up under it because he has got you. Ask the praise team to come up. You can untie that if you can. I got it real tight for you. You can ask the praise team to come up. And I just want to pray for us. And I want to encourage you, if you need prayer, these are some hard topics that we're talking about. If you need prayer, I want to encourage you to come up and be prayed for. If you need to see yourself differently, if you need to view yourself differently, if you need to see yourself the way that God sees you, if you need to remember um, that he has got you, if you need to confess about some ways that you've tried to self-medicate, if you need to just say, God, I'm done trying to try harder and fix this on my own, but I'm going to try harder knowing that you have got the other end of the rope and that you have got me, then just come up and be prayed for as, as we close this out. They're going to sing a song about how much God loves us, and, and it's just true. He loves you that much. So come on up and, and let's be prayed for together. Uh, if you have that need, but let's sing together and let's understand that the God of the universe has got us.